Psalms chapter 23, we're going to read the whole chapter here, verses 1 through 6. And I'll read the odd verses, you'll read the even verses, we'll read responsibly. Psalms chapter 23, verses 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparedest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest mine head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much, God, for the the comfort that comes in this passage. Lord, we thank you that you not only created us, you not only gave us the eternal life, but Lord, every day you are our shepherd. You're leading us to that still water. You're leading us to those green pastures. And God, you want us to be your sheep. And I ask you, please help us, Lord, to lean on you, to call on you. And please just bless, Lord, the message. Would you fill our pastor with your spirit? Help him to say what needs to be said. And Lord, give him the boldness to be able to present the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Psalm 23 may be the most used passage of Scripture in the world. It's also uh, maybe the most most misrepresented passage of the Bible. It's often used in funerals and printed on cards and funeral cards and uh, everywhere you go you see statements from Psalm 23. Lost people use it, denominationalists use it, and uh, unfortunately uh, we probably pretty much only hear it at a funeral. I love the word of God. I love Psalm 23, and I use it often, and it's not just at a funeral. It's packed with truth. Uh, Today, I'm going to preach a little different sermon. Usually, I have three, four, five points. I got 16 rounds in the magazine today, amen? Uh, Hang on. It's okay. I'm going to rapid fire. I got the semi-auto out. We're just going to keep pulling the trigger, amen? Uh, But I I just want to... I call this a walk or walking through Psalm 23. Walking through Psalm 23. Everybody look at me for just a second. We need the Word of God. We need to realize that it's not a history book. These are the living words of God. They're here for us to live and to use today. As I said in Sunday school, one day when we get to heaven, we're going to see, according to Revelation 22, the original copy of the word of God that God read from and gave to us. It'll be just like the King James Bible for the English people. It won't be any different. But we'll actually see the original. We have it right there. It's word for word. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word. He said in Matthew 5, 18, that one jot nor one tittle shall pass away. Hello. Amen. Yes, sir. It's not going to die. It's not going to lose its inspiration. It's just as inspired now as the days that it was given. It wasn't only inspired in the originals. If it was, it's dead and it's not living today. 
And it's still alive, and that means that maybe we ought to get out of our religiosity and our traditions and think certain passages are only for certain things. And I want to help you with that today. First of all, the Lord is my shepherd. That's a relationship. God wants to have a relationship with you. Young people, God wants to be your shepherd. Young married couple, God wants to be your shepherd. Middle-agers with teenagers, God wants to be your shepherd and you want to kill your sheep. (laughs) Sorry, I had to say that. Uh, But uh, to those of us in our later middle age, uh, God wants to be your shepherd. Middle age, that means I'll be 112 when I die. Amen. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but God, God wants to be your shepherd, senior citizen. Being a shepherd means you, you are the shepherd of the entire flock, not just one part. Uh, that means he's there to lead us. He's there to protect us. And God wants to lead you. God wants to protect you but may i say this unless you know the shepherd you're not close enough for him to lead you got to know the shepherd Uh, some sometimes we complain well i don't know where god's at in this one well he's wondering where you are maybe you ought to look and see where you're at not where he is you see (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd. He wants me to have what I need. I'm going to make a statement here. I want you to get, and then I'm going to jump to the next thought here. But that means we need to let him lead. Everybody look at me for a second. Sheep aren't supposed to lead the shepherd. Children aren't supposed to lead the adults. Uh, That means the Christian's not supposed to lead God either. Well, I don't understand God. God didn't say understand me. He said, just follow me. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep follow me. Maybe we ought to quit taking ourselves and putting ourselves in the pilot seat. And let's just go back to the back of the plane. Let God lead this thing. Can I tell you something? The worst thing that can happen is you keep on going. The best thing that happens is we die and get to heaven. Did you know for the saved, this is as bad as it gets? And for the lost, this is as good as it gets? Aren't you glad it's only going to get better and it's only going to go up from here for us? The Lord is my shepherd. That means this, he walks point. A shepherd leads from the front. He's not a cowboy. Shepherds don't, yeah, yeah, giggle, crack the whip. That's how we lead. No, you can't lead sheep that way. You you drive cattle, you lead sheep. God didn't call us cattle, he called us sheep. Why? We're dumb. In the words of that famous American Gomer Pyle, dumb, 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 amen? Can I tell you something? We, we, We are. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone according to his own way. Sheep are so stupid that they, well, I'll get to that in a minute. But God is our shepherd. 
And the Lord is my shepherd. He wants to have that shepherd and sheep relationship. Matter of fact, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Let me ask you a question. If God spoke today, would you know his voice? Say, well, of course I would. How would you know? (laughs) I can be in a crowd. And if I hear my wife's voice, I know where she's at. I'm I'm tuned into it. Say why? Because I've learned. Yes, ma'am. I mean, uh, I've just learned. I I love her and I, I want to pay attention to her. I can hear my children's voices and and know them. My dad's voice. My mama's been in heaven for almost three years. I was just thinking this morning as I was preparing, I thought, boy, I miss hearing my mama's voice. But one day I'm going to hear it again. I was thinking, (laughs) what a day that will be. Hear my mama say, Craig, she's one of the few people who get to call me that. But I'm going to get to hear her say it again, and I'm going to know who said it right away. I'll have no doubt at all. Can I tell you something? I want to be close enough to God that when he speaks, I hear. I want to know his voice. He said, my sheep hear my voice. How do we know what he's saying? Right there's the voice of God. He spoke these words to us. He'll speak by the word of God. And we'll know his voice. So first of all, the Lord is my shepherd. Oh, I love the next statement. I shall not want. That means he'll supply everything I need. I won't have anything I want. I won't have need to want anything. You know, some of us want too much. I'm going to get myself in trouble here. How about go through a Christmas without a wish list? I never asked my kids what they wanted for Christmas. I wanted a good enough relationship with them. I could pick something I thought they'd want. Everybody doing okay? Uh, I didn't want to create desires in my kids to want a whole bunch of things thinking they deserve it. We shouldn't be asking people what they want, per se, for a gift. We're supposed to know them well enough to figure something out. Now, I'm not saying you're sinful if you have Christmas lists. But, man, as my kids got to be older and got to be teenagers and young adults, we would do a, we would just decide we we're going to buy for one person and we'd switch names, but nobody knew who the other got. We had so much fun. There were times they would pair up and go, we would all go shopping together for somebody else, but you paired up with somebody you didn't uh, have. Trying to figure out who did what and who bought what. You ought to hear my kids as adults talk about going through the stores. Josh and, was it Jeff? 
were together one day shopping. They went into this. They went, uh, one of them had my wife, and they wanted you know one of those snow globes that has a music box attached. Well, they went in there, and one of them bought one for, was going to buy one for my wife, and they pulled it out to look at it, and the guy selling it dropped it, and it broke. <laughs> oh, it was so much fun. Then one of my boys picked one up and dropped it and broke. Oh, it was, it was, the story was hilarious. And to hear them tell it was even funnier. They were like, uh-oh. <laughs> Man, you know, breakage on aisle three. Here we go. You know? And it was, they weren't cheap ones either. I mean, they were at a Hallmark store kind of place. You know, ones that were salty. I love it. I shall not want. You know, me and God make a majority. You know, if I've got God, that's all that I need. He gives me help. And he even supplies what I'm supposed to need. It's not what I want, but what I need. May I say something? I need to learn to match my needs to his wants. Not demand he give me what I want. But my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He didn't say he'd give us all we want. He said he would change our wanter to match our needs. What more could I want if I got God? I wish you understood that relationship that's so sweet. If I got God, what more do I need? I was working, my my wife and I are going to take a 35th anniversary vacation trip this summer. I was working with a man, and I told him it was for our 35th wedding anniversary. He said, wow, you don't hear that very often. And I thought to myself, how sad. He said, my wife and I are just about ready to have 12 years in. I said, you're a third of the way there. He said, I can't imagine 35 years. I said, yeah, because I'm old enough to be your dad, aren't I? He said, well, now that you mentioned it, I said, shut up. <laughs> and he said, Pastor, he said, what's the secret? I said, when you have the best, nothing else satisfies. He said, oh, that's sweet. I said, no, it's true. I said, there's, there's never been anybody that could compare to my wife. When you've got that, if I've got her, I've got all I need. Can I help you not have the empty nest syndrome? If you got your spouse, you got all you need. Well, I I love my kids so much. Yeah, I did too. That's why I sold my house and none of them have keys to my house. (laughs) They didn't even know how to get to the new one. Amen. You say, why? (laughs) I had her. (laughs) I didn't rear them to keep them. I reared them to get rid of them. I don't want them puppies in my house when they're old. I planned on having them early enough so that we could enjoy life now. Are we doing all right? Yeah. If I have her, that's all I need. See, we were alone for Thanksgiving. It was great. Say, oh, weren't you sad? No, she was sick. I was hunting. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, uh, we missed our kids, but no more than any other day. 
how could how could I be disappointed when I got the best? Now she got the raw end of the stick on that one, but I got came out on top. Amen. You know, I will not truly need if I have him. If you have God, you don't need anything else. Number three. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. This is my safe success. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, that might mean you've got to go someplace you don't want to go. The word maketh there isn't a kind word. He maketh me. You know, we sheep can get ornery. I quoted it a little while ago. All we like sheep have gone astray. And when we get stray, he brings us back to where we're supposed to be. But if we keep going away, he'll take us and break our leg. Put it back together and tape it up and put us on his shoulders and bring us down and lay us where we're supposed to be and keep us safe in the fold so he can keep his eye on us. Because when we get away from the fold, that's when the wolves, the coyotes, and uh, all the the predators are going to get you. He doesn't do it because he hates you. He does it because he loves you. That means this. Sometimes you're going to have to go through what you don't want to go through, but that's what God wants you to go through. You know... (laughs) Can I tell you something? I don't have to look for another pasture. When I'm with the good shepherd, I'm in the best best place I can be. By the way, the devil can show you other pastures, but it's full of astroturf. It's not real. Oh, the grass is greener over there. (laughs) Yeah, but when you get over there, it's plastic. You don't know what you need. He does. Well, this is what I see. Yeah, that's the problem. You're using your eyes, not the shepherd's eyes. Well, that looks prettier. That smells better. Yeah. It might even taste better at first. It might be sweet in your mouth and bitter in your belly. Could be poison. You see, God's going to feed you what you need, not what you want. And I found out in life, having my needs met, that's all I need. Well, I've got to grab all I can out of this life. No, I've got eternity to look forward to. Maybe I shouldn't want so many things. Maybe I should just lie down where I'm supposed to be and eat. At the farm where, one of the farms where I hunt. The back, the back, back field. This year and last year, he's got special hay planted back there that's a mix of alfalfa and other grasses and things. He's, of course, hayed everything out. And just before deer season, the last two weeks before deer season, he cut the cows loose back there. Let them roam free in that back pasture. Man, those things munched away. That stuff was about that high. You walk back there now. Man, they mowed it down. They also mowed down a few other things they shouldn't have. One of the other guys in the hunts out there has got a 
camera for deer out there. He had over 2,000 pictures of deer on his camera. He had 2,000 pictures of cows. I started laughing. I said, I hope that thing, because it goes to his phone, I said, I hope you didn't have that thing on ring every time. He said, yep, all night long. I thought, dude, I'd have found me an off button somewhere. You know, he couldn't hardly get those cows out of that pasture. They stayed back there for two weeks. The only thing, only reason they came out of there is go get a drink of water. And they would run back a certain time, go get water, turn around and run all the way back. Say why? Because that was good pasture. They were, they were excited about it. They ran past all the open pastures and mm, we're going back there. That's exactly what God has for us. Sometimes you say, well, I don't like it. You know, but it's what you need. Number four, he leadeth me beside still waters. Something about a sheep that you may not know. God situated a sheep's nose right at the end of their face. It's not up, it's down. And a sheep is so stupid, if, they're, if the water's coming at them and they're drinking... The water will go up their nose and they'll literally drown themselves while they're drinking and die. They're too stupid to pick their head up. So a sheep has to have still water to drink from so it doesn't drown. Told you sheep are stupid. But they have to be uh, situated to where they're not having running water go up their nose and killing them. They'll drown themselves. (laughs) In other words, God's our safe refreshment. Safe refreshment. You know, rushing water is exciting. Still water isn't real exciting. White water rafting, a lot of fun. Rowing a boat around a still little pond, eh, okay. My wife would rather have the still water. I'd rather have the white water rafting, amen? I took her white water rafting one time. It didn't turn out so well. <laughs> she doesn't swim real well. And we got to this one place, class four rapids, and we got kicked out. And the, the, the raft hung up on a rock, and we got thrown out. And I finally got up, and I couldn't find her. And all of a sudden, I saw this hand. She was underneath, and she couldn't get up. I reached down and grabbed that hand, and, and she was spitting in a sputtering, and she was not real happy with me. She said, I want to go. I said, you can. Get back in the boat. We'll get to the, but I want to, hey, you, there's no place to go. You can't, we're, we're at that point of no return, and you ain't going to walk it for sure. We got clear to the end of that thing, and there's a class five rapid right at the very end. I'm in the back of this thing trying to guide it, and you go down and like this. Well, when we hit that first, the back end of the boat folded to the front. And I was like a rock in a sling and went, my head hit her, her neck and shoulder and my feet were up in the air and I went past them in the boat. I remember hitting the water and the next thing I knew, there was an orange thing above me going past me. She stayed in the boat. I didn't. I came up and she's, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? I said, back here. Everything's fine. 
That, to me, that's exciting. <laughs> Paddling around a canoe or a rowboat in a still, still pond, that doesn't excite me a whole lot. Uh, rushing water might be exciting, but it's not safe. Uh, I did whitewater rafting trip one time in South Carolina. We went down where they did the Olympic uh, kayaking. And there was a class six rapid with a class seven attached, which class seven means sure death. And they said, keep the raft over to the right. You go left, we've lost seven people there this year that have died. Okay, that encourages you to stay right, stay right, stay right. Sure enough, you go this way, it goes down, and it, it turns about 90 degrees and goes down again. Well, when we hit that first little bloop, I went bloop. <laughs> Class 7 rapid. As I went over, I grabbed the little rope on the side of the boat. And I'm holding on to the boat as we hit that second rapid, dropping 20 more feet. Well, there's a rock wall on this side. I'm here, and the raft is here. And my head was like the clacker in a bell going, doo -doo 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 -doo, the whole way down. I didn't let go of my oar. I didn't let go of the boat. Amen. The whole way down. <laughs> of course, they set up a camera right there to take everybody's picture. Mine's going like that. But I didn't die. Amen. Got out of the water and said, let's do that one again. This time, let me stay in the boat. He leadeth me beside still waters. Oh, fast-moving water could be exciting, but still waters is where you get refreshed. You see, God's going to bring the tranquility you need when you need it. Not when you want it, when you need it. Next, he restoreth my soul. <laughs> I love you. Beside that statement, write this statement. He fixes your attitude. My soul is that which allows me to communicate with man. He restores my attitude. Well, if people don't like it, too bad. Yeah, you didn't get your attitude restored. Your attitude is your fault, not somebody else's. You know, Brother Jim, I've learned nobody else can make me mad. I allow myself to get mad. You know, nobody else hurts my feelings. It's me that allows my feelings to get hurt. My attitude is my fault. And I need God to restore my attitude. You see, this is, he'll fix how you can get along with folks. Well, I can't get along with them. Yeah, that's the problem. You. And you need the shepherd to fix your attitude. <laughs> He helps me not to judge others through my eyes only. Did you know God died for the lost? Everybody doing okay? Did you know that person that hates you has people that love them? I have enemies that hate my internal organs. But do you know that not everybody hates them? Nor do I. Do you know that they may not love me, but I'm not going to judge them based off of how they, they treat me alone. Amen. They have needs too. Maybe we ought to quit taking it so personal. 
<laughs> He'll also tell me when and what I'm to fix if I let him. He restores my soul, but he'll only restore it if you let him. God's not going to come and grab you by the back of the head and say, fix it. Uh, Okay, I've got some teenagers in here. Hang on. Uh, Parents, how many times do we grab a hold of a young person or a child or a teenager? I just don't like your attitude. Have you seen yourself while you said that? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I wonder where they learned that one. Hmm. Maybe we need to let God fix our attitude before we erupt. Number six, moving on. Rapid fire. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. <laughs> that means this. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. He's going to show me where to walk. He's going to lead me in the truth. The path of righteousness is the path of truth. He didn't say that path was going to be clear. He didn't say that path would be easy. But he will lead me in the path of righteousness. Oh, I don't have to go places where I will go astray. I don't have to go with people who are going astray. But if I will follow the shepherd, I'll stay on the right path. You know, the Bible and the word of God is supposed to be our focus, not what other people think about it. What God says is more important than what our friends say. The truth of the word of God is more important than what we heard as a child in tradition. You'll see, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing this, but you'll see all over the place manger scenes where it's got the wise men. The wise men didn't show up for two to three years. Now, I'm not saying that you're from the booger man if you've got the wise men at home with your Christmas decorations. But uh, they didn't show up at, at, at the birth of Christ. They weren't there till about two, two and a half years later. I could go on and on. We've accepted things because uh, of tradition. How about we just follow the path of righteousness for his namesake? No matter who disappoints you, stay on the right path. A parent may disappoint you. Stay on the right path. A child may disappoint you. Stay on the right path. A spouse may disappoint No, they will disappoint you. Stay on the right path. Uh, and in Monk's case, it's a daily occurrence. I mean, uh, uh, he leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Boy, as we walk through Psalm 23, what a precious thing, isn't it? Number seven. For his namesake. Did you know that he's supposed to be the focus? Not me. God is to be the focus of life. Not me. Not mine. I love my wife. I love my kids. But if they turn against the will of God. I'm supposed to do the will of God. And not follow them. 
Everybody doing okay? Some of you are so put out because evil people do evil things. Can I tell you something? Sinners are going to sin. Don't let it surprise you. You say, well, it's okay as long as it's not affecting me. Oh, so life's all about you? How about God? God said they don't hate you, they hate him. It's not about us, it's about him. So let's stand for him and the truth. Boy, that's good stuff. Did you know life's not all about yourself? It's all about him. He made us to fellowship with us. He made us to please him. So let's live to please him and let the world do what it's going to do. I need to quit, quit taking life so personally. Because my life's not mine, it's his. What? No, you're not that you're bought with a price. Everybody doing okay? So if I've been bought with a price, that the, the one who bought me is the one who owns me, and my life is about the one who bought me, not myself. Amen. Therefore glorify God in your body, which is God's. So, maybe I ought not take it so personal. By the way, don't take life so serious. You're not going to make it out alive anyway. Number eight, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Everybody look at me for a second. This means facing and keeping on going through difficulty. Look at it very carefully. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the, what's the next word? Oh. It doesn't say the valley of death. It says the valley of the shadow of death what's a shadow the light shines on an object and you see the dark reflection of the object it comes before or after the light god says yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i see imminent danger coming or i've just passed through imminent danger I will fear no evil. Did you know he doesn't want you to stop in the valley? He does not want you to stop and live in the valley of the shadow of death. Well, I just need to stop and take time to grieve. No, you're adding grief as a judgment to your sorrow. We're to keep going. He doesn't want us to stop when adversity comes. He doesn't want us to run and hide when adversity comes. Did you know that adversity ends faster when we keep moving the right direction than it does if we stop or run away from it? Because either way it's going to come. So the best way through, right through the middle of it. Let's just keep on plowing. You know... (laughs) If you run away, it's, it's going to follow you. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Not into, I walk through. But preacher, it's dark. Oh, only on one side, there's light on the other. You're focused on the shadow instead of the light. I don't know about you, but I'll focus on the light, not the shadow. I do a lot of deer hunting. You go into your stand in the dark, you come out in the dark. Do you know a flashlight or a headlight, unless you've got that train light that 
Aaron's got that you can see for four miles. My head's not big enough to put that light on. <laughs> the average flashlight, when you're walking through the woods, it can get pretty creepy. You see shadows flickering and you hear noises. It gets real exciting if you're not used to it. So what was that? What was that? Just keep on walking. Number next, I will fear no evil. <laughs> this is faith that God will not allow you to be destroyed by evil. I will fear no evil. God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And when we allow fear to control us, we lose our sanity. I.e. COVID. Look how freaked out the world is. You sneeze or cough in a store. (gasps) You know, there was a day when it was okay. Did you know nobody here has died of COVID? (laughs) What are we afraid of? Everybody doing all right? Say, preacher, that's silly. Yes, they are. You see, I I will fear no evil. Oh, it doesn't mean that you're not going to hurt. But I'm not supposed to fear what evil people can do to me. I'm not supposed to worry about what evil people are doing. I'm supposed to be focused on him, my shepherd. You see, did you know there are more fear nots than there are fears in the Bible? Go through the Bible and look at the fear nots and then look at the fear. You'll find far more fear nots than fears. God says, fear not what man can do unto me. I am not to worry and fear what man can do to me. (laughs) Guess what? I'm not worried about what they're going to say or do. By the way, that's not cockiness or false hope. (laughs) It's just I'm not going to fear it. I'm not to become evil with evil people. I'm not to be evil with the evildoer. I'm going to win over evil by following the good shepherd and doing what he says and not fearing the evil. Number 10. (laughs) About to shout. For thou art with me. Did you know that if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside you? You can't separate yourself from God. He lives inside of you. He not only rebirthed your spirit, he adopted you with your body and your soul, and you belong to him, but he also indwells you. This is confidence that God's going to be with me each and every step. Sam, life's not easy. The older you get, the more you're going to learn that. Especially if you marry Adriana. No, uh, it's going to be harder on her. Trust me. 
Can I tell you something? But, but with God living inside of you, you got nothing to fear. Oh, I didn't say it's not going to get heavy. I didn't say it's not going to be some hard times. But Brother Jim, at 92 years young, everything's okay. You see, maybe we ought to quit viewing it the way we see it and just realize God lives inside of me. What more do I need? Why would he allow himself to be destroyed? Knowing God's presence is better than not having opposition. Some of you will never know the joy of God's presence because you won't allow yourself to face opposition. Well, I don't understand why I got all this opposition. Does God not care anymore? He's living inside of you, ding dong. That was the nicest word I could use. I couldn't say what I was thinking. I would rather know that I have the presence of God and go through problems than to never experience the presence of God. I really would. You know, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were facing political pressure and they were going to be killed because they wouldn't obey the king. They bound them up in chains and coats. They opened the furnace and the men opening the furnace, it was so hot that it killed them. And then they pushed them in. But before they did, they said, our God will deliver us. But if not, I'm sure when they felt that heat, they went, "Uh uh-oh, wonder where God is. In just a couple seconds, they were loose walking around in the fire. And Meshach looked at Shadrach and Abednego and said, what happened, fellas? We don't know, but God's here with us somewhere. Nebuchadnezzar looked in and saw them walking around in the fire and said, how many did we throw in? They said, three. He said, I see four, and the fourth is like the Son of God. He said, hey, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, come on out. He didn't ask for God to come out. And nowhere in the book of Daniel does it say Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego saw Jesus. It says Nebuchadnezzar did. Now, they knew he was there because you don't go into that kind of fire and live. But they had to go through the fire. Guess what? Jesus is still in the fire. He didn't come out. So if they can go through the fire, I can go through the fire. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Do you know what a rod and a staff are for? for correction Um, in modern days the paddle you know God loves us enough to paddle us when we need it he loves me enough not to end my life the process is not pleasant but the end result is I remember working on staff for Brother Hiles, and I went through a Saturday night staff meeting. We had one every second and fourth Saturday night. We'd meet for a couple hours. It was just the assistant pastors and two or three other men. 
the, uh, in the ministry. <laughs> I remember one Saturday night, we were loaded for questions and we got partway around the room and he got to the, a certain person and he said, Doc, do you have any questions? But before you do, and he just exploded on him. He said, I asked you about this 12 months ago. Why is it not done? He preached the first point. Then he went to point number two. Point number two was hotter than point number one. There was no prayer, no poem. He went right into point number three. Then he reviewed points one, two, and three. And he said, okay, what's your question? And I mean for about 15 minutes, he just tore this staff man apart. There was some correction going on. You say, what did the rest of you do? We folded up our notebooks and just sat there. Went to the next person, no question. Next person, no question. Went back around the room, no question, no question. He said, fellas, what's wrong? How come you're not going to? I'm thinking, yeah, what's wrong? You think I'm going to ask a question after watching that take place? He said, somebody said, think we're going to ask a question now? They kind of said it under their breath, but they didn't. And he heard it. He said, what do you mean? Because I corrected him, you all are afraid? He said, by the way, he went back and reviewed all three points and went to point number four. Thinking, you know, mama didn't raise two fools, just my brother. I know when to keep my mouth shut. Mm, no questions. It was a very short meeting. Remember, was and by the way, that staff person, you could see the... As I was walking through the door with him, I put my hand on his arm, and I said, I'm headed to my office. If you need me, call me. My office was on the fourth floor. When I got to my door, my phone was ringing. He said, that's it. I'm going to quit. I said, you sorry, rascal. He said, what do you mean? You said you'd help me. I said, I am. Now shut up and listen to me. This man, many years my senior, many more years on staff than I. I said, did he fire you? He said, no. I said, then shut your, your, your sorry mouth up for a second. I said, obviously he loves you enough to fix the problem and not fire you. Any of those four things he has the right to fire you for, right? Uh, I guess so. I said, maybe you ought to listen to what he said and fix it. That was not what he was looking for when he called me. The next day in the office was Sunday. That person was a little cold. Brother Hiles looked at him and said, can you take me to the airport tomorrow morning this time? Yes. Walked out. I said, by the way, when you get back from O'Hare, let me know what's going on. About noon that day, he called me and said, can I come to your office? I said, you can. Came to my office weeping. Brother Jim, Brother Howes had already purchased two suits for the man. Had them waiting at the store for him. Spent six, seven hundred dollars on suits for the man. 
told him that he loved him, and, but he needed him to fix what needed done and that he had forced him to do that. Nothing else worked. I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, I'm already working on fixing all four of those things. I said, good. You know, correction's not fun. But I'd rather be corrected than gone. And if God loves me enough to correct me, he thinks I'm worth salvaging. Twelve, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. This is God's promise that he's not going to allow your enemy to destroy you. God never promised to take your enemy away. But he did promise to provide for you in spite of your enemy. Did you know God providing for you discourages your enemy? Thou anointest my head with oil. This is God sanctifying us. The word sanctification does not mean something holy. It means God setting you apart. This pulpit is just a piece of wood. Made from the same tree that a bar may be made out of. But this piece of wood's been sanctified. It's been set apart for a specific purpose. And God has anointed you as a Christian to be set apart from the world. I am chosen by God, and if he chose me, then I can do it. Next, my cup runneth over. This is God's blessing to our obedience. God doesn't just want to fill your cup. He wants to fill it to overflowing. I'm one of those people. When I fill somebody's cup up, I want it right to the edge. You know, you can't move it without it spilling over. You say, why? Because it's fun watching them try to get a sip out of it. Amen. <laughs> I used to do that to my mom. She'd get so mad at me. She couldn't get up to... <clears throat> she'd have to... And she was, wasn't steady enough and it would spill everywhere. See, why'd you do that? Because it's fun. God loves to fill your cup to overflowing. The closer you get, the more overflowing your blesser is going to be. Uh, when you do it his way, it'll overflow. When you do it your way, it's dry. Blessings come by obedience. You don't have the blessing and then obedience. The blessing is the result of the obedience, not prior to the obedience. Number 15, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I want you to notice something. This is God's order. Obedience and then goodness and mercy follow Notice you have to do the obeying before mercy and goodness can follow. Too many of us want the mercy and the goodness before we obey. God says obey, go through it, and I'll have goodness and mercy follow you. If you're not moving, you can't be followed. If you're running away, goodness and mercy cannot follow. So I must plow through in obedience for goodness and mercy to come. 
too many of us want God to bless us with mercy and goodness before we obey. God says obey and watch it follow. And lastly, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. (laughs) This is our hope for the future. Brother Jim, one of these days we're going to get to heaven. I hope the rapture comes and I get to go by the upper taker and don't have to go by the undertaker. I don't want somebody putting clothes on me. That just doesn't sound right. I didn't like it when I was a kid. I don't like it now. You know, mom would take a... Don't do that. But can I tell you something? If if natural life takes place, I'll, I'll go that way. But guess what? I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Don't you cry for me. Everything's going to be all right. I'm going to be playing tag with the angels. I'm going to be catching up with Brother Jimbo up there, finding out what my hunting shack looks like. I'm going to see my mama, my grandparents. I'm going to see people I'd won to Christ. I'm going to get to see my preacher. get to see my grandbabies I'm going to get to see my savior you see this world is not my home this world is not my home I'm just passing through my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue the angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel that Home in this world anymore. Guess what? This world's not my home. I'm just passing through. Oh, God didn't say you wouldn't face problems. But he gave us 16 statements as we walked through Psalm 23 to help us walk that path. What a wonderful God we have. Maybe we ought to quit complaining and start walking. Maybe we ought to quit looking at the shadow and start looking at the light. Maybe we ought to quit looking at the evil and look at the one who can overcome the evildoer. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. I wonder. I'd say, preacher, there was something in that sermon I needed today. Would you raise your hand? Oh, my soul, scores of hands. You may put them down. I know I needed it. I wonder, is there one here today that would say, Preacher, if I died today, I don't know for sure I'd go to heaven, but I'd like to know. Would you raise your hand? All right. If you've been saved and never baptized, we could take care of that today. If you've been saved and baptized by immersion and you'd like to join our church, you come. Maybe you just need to come kneel at an old-fashioned altar and tell God, I'm going to walk Psalm 23 with the Lord. Maybe you ought to get the courage and the energy you need from the word of God and not everything around you.